1: Weather's getting nicer, basketball season's heating up, and baseball's around the corner. You know what that means. It's time to win some cash. OP Sportsbook launches in late spring and will provide a fully encrypted and anonymous betting platform where users will bet with stable cryptocurrency. This means that they can place bets with crypto without having to worry about the volatility of crypto. Powered by the Solana blockchain and Web3 technology, opsportsbook.com represents the future of sports betting. 3P is proud to partner with them, and always remember to bet responsibly. That's opsportsbook.com.
0: All right, there you go.
1: Hello, and welcome back to another 3P Podcast episode. This is Season 5, Episode 10. Once again, I am your host, Josh Fromowitz, and joining me are my other co-hosts.
0: Alex Castle.
1: Steven Minazzo. And once again, the man in many hats, TJ Hummel, Celtics boy, Bruins boy, you name it. He wears all the hats. He's joining us
2: once again, DJ. Welcome. Happy, very happy times to be a Celtics and a Bruins fan. I can tell you that. And but. I'm,
1: sh- yeah. We'll we'll jump into that in a little bit. So stay t- uh, sit tightly. We'll get to you in a second. Talking all Boston sports. Sadly, yeah, you're jumping for joy. But first, I want to start with you, Alex. We're going to start off with some hoops. This past weekend, I was at the Nets game. I got to see Kevin Durant lead the Nets to a victory. And it made me think about this. Even though he doesn't have the accolades yet with the Nets, the championships, MVPs, all of that, would is it fair to say that this Brooklyn Nets Kevin Durant is the best version of the Kevin Durant we've seen compared to OKC and Golden State?
0: Well, that's a good question. That's a great way to start off the episode.
1: Starting off strong.
0: You know, I'm going to say yes, and here's why. When he was with Golden State, he was surrounded by other guys with talent either close to his level or at his level. I'm not trying to get into a debate about the talent level at Golden State, but with the situation with Brooklyn, with the struggle with Harden, the injuries that they've dealt with Kyrie, Kyrie's issues with COVID, KD has had to take the reins as the leader for this team. And you can just fully see what this guy is capable of. I mean, he can drop a 50 bomb like it's nothing. He he just executes himself on the court so well. And... He might not be the most vocal leader. He might not show like he's the most dominant leader, but I've seen KD take on more of a vet role with this with this Nets team that I did with Golden State, mentoring, you know, the guys like Cam Thomas, talking to Claxton a little bit, not the same position, but still he wants to be there for these younger guys. So putting those elements together, I do think that this is the best version of we're seeing that we're seeing of Kevin Durant not just as a player but as a, as a teammate too.
1: I agree, and I'm gonna ask the same question to you, Stevie. Because knowing you, I'm sure you disagree, but I'm curious why you would disagree. Because as a Nets fan, Yes, the, the big argument against Kevin Durant right now is the accolades. He doesn't have the accolades that he had in OKC, the MVPs. He doesn't have the finals MVPs like he had in Golden State. So that is, that's a big part of it. But the leadership role plays a huge part into why he. I think this is the best version. And considering he's come off a serious injury, and the Achilles tear, he's looked even better. So I'm curious what you think, Steve.
3: I mean, I do think the season that KD's putting together right now is unbelievable and, you know, just crazy and remarkable to think about. Um, But I do think the OKC KD was the best KD. I mean, just what he did. I mean, Oklahoma City Thunder, like, that was a brand-new franchise. You know, it used to be the Supersonics, and then you moved to Oklahoma. And, you know, it's tough – for a new franchise to get up and running and have the success that the OKC Thunder had um, during their first couple of years. And you look at like, okay, the Golden Knights, but that was a bit different, but like the Thunder, what they did really was remarkable. And, you know, you could say, well, like he had Russell Westbrook. He only had James Harden for a few years and that was when James Harden coming off the bench. But to be honest, I think, yeah, Russell Westbrook would, would have been good but obviously he helped Russell Westbrook grow into the player that he did because he was that kind of player. So Russell Westbrook had that go-to guy. Um, and I just think, you know, yes, he has the MVPs with the Thunder and all that, um, you know, a couple of seasons scoring over 30 plus games, but I just, I think what he meant to that sitting in that team and the way he, really carried them that far a couple times, you know, the NBA finals but then losing to the juggernaut of the Miami heat with Chris Bosh, Dwayne Wade. And how can you forget LeBron James? And then making the conference finals his last year there, which really they should win when they're up three, one, and then they blew it to the warriors, which I think that year is when they went 72 and 10, right? Yeah. Cause then Katie joined them. So, but that Warriors team was unreal, so I don't, I just and I think a younger ver a younger version of any player is usually the most explosive because they don't have all that wear and tear yet, um or even for Katie's sake the serious injuries. So I I do think young Kevin Durant with the Thunder where he was averaging thirty two points per game, his MVP season was the best version of Katie there will ever be. I'm not saying that this. Brooklyn Nets one doesn't compare to it but it he here is not um the best version and to be honest like I know there's a lot of stuff happening with the Nets that's out of his control but they're just not winning as many games as Kevin Durant usually does so you know I know he has Kyrie Irving only for half the games but technically he still has Kyrie Irving And, you know, that's there's more stuff to it, but he's still not winning games with him. Or even when he had James Harden, regardless if James Harden didn't want to be there or not, he still had James Harden, and they weren't really winning games. Um, And then even last year in the playoffs, well, he – how – I forget. Did he miss all of last season, or did he
1: um, – He missed a a large part of the regular season and was there for the playoffs. Okay. Um, And then what – they, he they, he dropped he dropped 50 in,
3: in game seven that they lost. Right. Yeah. So, you know, I think it's tough to tell, but I do I I personally think that OKC and not not necessarily the first couple years, but the middle and toward the end of his OKC career was the best version of KD that there will ever be. Um, and this next one will come close, but I think that. He's still phenomenal, one of the best players in the league, but he will never be as good as he was during that time.
1: And that's fair. And
3: I'm glad that
1: we were able to
3: disagree on that, give
1: a little change of opinions there. A
3: little devil's advocate
1: for the little, people. It's
3: perfect. That's what we need. And then... but I do, I, have think- a, I, I do have a question for you. Now, for some people, you know, I've only been to one NBA game. Um, and that was I saw LeBron, and that was just fascinating to see him in person. What was it like seeing KD in person? I mean, I got I got to imagine it's, you know. Yeah, I awesome. mean,
1: it helps when he when he's on your team, obviously. Because growing up, I've been I went to New Jersey Matt that game where I saw Jason Kidd, Vince Carter, and then I've seen them play games against like Allen Iverson and Carmelo Anthony when they're on the Nuggets. I've seen LeBron as a Cav. But there's no one like Kevin Durant when it comes to scoring the basketball. I know LeBron is saying, like, he wants to be the best scorer of all time now. But throughout his whole career, LeBron has never been known as someone who wants to score the ball. Kevin Durant makes it look so easy. And in the past few weeks, just following basketball, we've all seen the amount of double teams that Kevin Durant has been getting, especially when Kyrie Irving hasn't been on the floor or... Seth Curry's been injured. Yeah, TJ, you're making that image. He did that uh, this past weekend. Uh, The little thump, the too tiny uh, thing with his fingers. We're seeing KD just showing more emotion, the passion, the energy just riling up his teammates in the crowd. It's just truly remarkable what he's doing. You have opponents who are still foolish to talk trash to Kevin Durant knowing that's not going to work because that'll just fuel his fire even more. Look at what happened with the Knicks and Evan Fournier. Evan Fournier talks trash to Kevin Durant and Kevin Durant every single game is going to drop 30 or 40 on the Knicks. It's just bound to happen because Fournier talked trash to Kevin Durant in the Olympics. Like something so foolish and Kevin Durant is just going to use that against them every time. It's a beautiful sight to see as a Nets fan. I'm sorry, Castle. It's going to be painful for the next few years as a Knicks fan, but you're used to it by now.
0: Yep. I've accepted the pain. I ride with the pain. That's why I really hope one of the other New York teams turns it around. I oh. can't, can't rely on the Knicks anymore.
1: Well, hopefully for your sake, that might be the Rangers because...
0: Fine. They play at the Garden too. I'll take it. They, oh. they represent oh. New York and they play at the Garden. That, that's all I need.
1: And we'll get more into that in a little bit. But switching gears from, one, from New York to Boston a little bit is where I want to bring in TJ. The hottest team in basketball right now is the Boston Celtics. And throughout the year, there was a lot of question marks to Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown that they couldn't really coexist because both of them are just so ball dominant. We've seen teams like that struggle. Look at the Lakers with, with Russell Westbrook, Anthony Davis, and LeBron. The Celtics, it took a while for them to gel. But once All-Star break uh, passed, they're the hottest team in basketball, I believe. And they're 14-2 la- they're in their last 16 games. They've had multiple win streaks of, of at least five five games now. They're hot. And the, the best part about the Celtics' win streak right now is it's not even their offense. They are the number one defense right now in the league. And that's what you need in, in a playoff game, in a playoff series, is defense. This, so, TJ, the Celtics have climbed all the way up to the two seed now, I believe, or the th- they're the three seed, but very close to the two seed. When this, com- when this episode drops, they might be in full possession of the two seed. So TJ, I'm gonna start with you because you're the Celtic fan. Aside from the stars, because that's a given, what really has impressed you most with the Celtics' play since
2: the All Star break? I've just been really impressed with how the defense has has stepped up. You had you had mentioned it earlier, but like the the stars are defensive as always. But guys like Grant Williams and Peyton Pritchard. And guys, like guys that really don't get the big time minutes that we see or we're used to seeing, are stepping up and playing fantastic defense. Um, and like I just can't, I can't talk about the defense without Marcus Smart. He's he's a pit bull. Defense everybody, is his middle name. Yeah, everybody knows that he he's a pit bull on the court. He'll he'll harass you. He'll do whatever he can within the limits of basketball to. To make your yeah, night so,
1: sometimes be on the limits,
2: yeah, but that's with everybody. But to the point where, it, like, he'll get in your head and he won't be out until the final buzzer hits. You know, and I think another thing too is I, I hinted on it a few episodes ago, but just how Ime Udoka has turned this team into the hottest team in basketball post All Star break, and I just want to shout out Kendrick Perkins earlier in the season. He was, he was one of the people that said, you got to split up Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown. And now he's hopping on the Celtics bandwagon. Like, like he's back playing for him again. Uh, that, that's a
3: former Celtic too turning against his own guys. TJ, I have a question for you. What's up? You think, you think it was the best thing the Celtics could have done was to let go of um, uh, what's this something, uh, Brad Stevens as head coach. And obviously they didn't let him go because then he moved up into the front office. But do you think that was smart to, you know, have him move out of the head coaching position to front office? Cause he made, he makes good moves or whether they work out or not, they look good on paper. Um, but then, and then it was, uh, and then you guys hired the guy from the Raptors, right? I believe so. Yeah. Yeah. um, I forget his name. Sam. I, I, uh, but do you think that could be a main reason why the Celtics are and then I know obviously earlier and then even the middle of the season, you guys were having struggles, but now towards the end of the year, like you're really hitting the stride, and you guys, like From said, probably the hottest team right now in the league. So do you think because the new coaching, all that, it like may be a big part into why you guys have been so successful lately?
2: I, I think so, only because like, I love Brad I loved him as a coach but I think they needed like maybe a new set of eyes to help address the the growth of Tatum and Jalen Brown He was doing a good job with them but I think I think Ime has like gotten them to the point where not only did they mesh together but they mesh with the whole team and bringing back a vet like Al Horford to to anchor that center spot for you and also provide that defensive, defensive edge that he's done for so long. I think, I think it was the right move having Brad go into the, into the office and making moves on that end and bringing Udoka in, having a fresh set of eyes, and turning this team into what they are now.
1: I personally am impressed with the Celtics because you just mentioned Al Horford. He's starting at power forward next to the time lord, Robert Williams. It is very rare in today's NBA, you see two centers essentially starting and Al Horford, who not one of the younger guys, he's up there in age, definitely one of the slower guys. They've made it work. And to be the best defensive team and also scoring the ball very efficiently and working around two guys who are essentially non-threats on offense, and then you added Marcus Smart, who, throughout his career, hasn't been consistent, but this year he has been. It's very impressive with what with what has done, and he came from the Nets organization last year, so Steve Nash discovered him.
2: But and one last thing before yeah, of course, we, before we switch gears and or if we're still talking basketball, but uh, I just want to bring up Sunday's game. Uh, The Celtics played in Denver, the home of Nicole Jokic and Tatum was receiving MVP chance. While he and Jalen Brown both dropped 30 points.
1: There, yeah, Jason Tatum will be getting that a lot
2: for years to come.
1: He is getting the star treatment that guys like Kevin Durant, Steph Curry, LeBron James, even Jokic get in opposing buildings. Maybe not Trey Young when it comes to Madison Square Garden, but other buildings for sure.
2: Yeah, but I like how he's finally at that level now, where people are recognizing his game, both present and former players are like finally putting him up there with the people that you had mentioned, and finally being on that pedestal.
1: Yeah, he's taking that step for sure, and it's and, it, and it's only fitting. He's, an, he's been an all-star starter the last two years. But switching gears a little bit, we were just talking defense with with Boston. Stevie, I'm going to talk to you now. Defense, Bulls, finally, Bulls get some defense back. and That's Alex Caruso last week, Pat Williams this week. The Bulls have dropped off a bit. Now they're looking at the 5-6 seed. Hopefully they could crawl their way back up. But as of right now, they're safe from the play-in as long as they just keep winning. But like I mentioned, you just got back Pat Williams, Alex Caruso, two very defensive-oriented guys. I can't begin to explain how big these moves are because I'm not a Bulls fan. I'm just a basketball fan. You as the Bulls fan, just tell the listeners how big these two moves are for Chicago
3: because they're not the biggest names. Oh, no, they're, they're huge. Um, especially Pat Will's been out since one of the first few weeks of the season back in October, so we have missed him all year round. Um, and then Caruso's been out for, you know, a solid six weeks, and now that he's been back for like a week or two, it's been huge. But you could see, like, the past couple of games, our defensive showing has just lacked severely, and, you know, that's why we've been um, losing a lot of these games and to even to some teams that shouldn't be losing, like the Kings, but poor defensive showing, and then you lose. So it's huge that we do get them back. Um, you know, even Pat Will, his first game back, not only did he have, like, force a few turnovers, he had a nice steal, but he also came up clutch with, you know, scoring some points off the bench. He made uh, his first shot was a three coming back, so that was good to see. So not only does he bring back – obviously great defense, but he can knock down some shots and, you know, he's really good driving. So it's just, it's really good to have a guy like that come back and he's got size length. And, you know, we needed that, especially coming, you know, I don't think he'll start and to be honest, I don't really want him starting. I think Javante green has filled that starting spot. Pretty good. Uh, Crusoe actually started um, Monday's game against the Raptors, which I don't mind. Um, you know, say like him and IO, if they keep switching, starting, coming off the bench, I think whatever spot they're in, they'll do a great job in. And then, uh, you know, Caruso obviously is just, you know, he's a headache going against, uh, if you're on offense, you know, he's a pest. He's always pressuring you and trying to, you know, forcing turnovers and all that. So it's really good to have him back. Um, and plus, you know, these are two like fan favorites. Obviously, Pat Williams only being a second year guy, but, you know both fans are really starting to like him. Uh, Kobe White's like loves him, so I'm sure he's glad to have him back playing together. And then Caruso's been a fan favorite of just the whole league in general. You know, NBA fans just love Caruso all the way from back from his Laker days to even now, and then both fans love him, so it's just a good vibe. The one downfall, uh, Lonzo Ball, it came out he's gonna have a setback, so that, that would have been huge defensively, uh, because he's another defensive menace. Um, but then also offensively, he just moves the ball well. And then he's shooting 42% from three. So we're going to miss that. Um, and especially coming down to the playoffs now, we could definitely use him and his veteran leadership. But main thing is we want him healthy. We want him, you know, hurt. And then because we signed him, you know, four years. So I want to make sure he's healthy. So uh, So as much as it's going to hurt not having him right now, and I don't know pushback means miss the rest of the season or come back, depending on how far they make in the playoffs. Maybe he will make a comeback then, but either way, I don't want it to rush it, but they got to start picking up the pace a little bit. Monday's victory was huge because they were on that downfall, but they have a big game against the Bucks tonight and they have not beaten really the top seeds at all. You know, they've, they've looked really good this year. They've had some great wins. DeMar DeRozan's look great. Levine's been solid. Like he usually has been the past couple of years, you know, Vooch, if you look at it, he might look like he's, his play has decreased, but there's just more guys, more opportunity. So he doesn't have to be the main guy. Like he used to be in Orlando, even last year coming into Chicago. So he's, but he's still the same Vooch. Um, so I just hope that now that like, you know, they can win a game against Milwaukee and I believe it's in Milwaukee. So if they can win a game like that and, you know, Obviously, I know we're not going to finish in the top two seeds, probably three. But if we can finish fourth seed or fifth, you know, and then really six seeds, the last seed, I want to be. Um, you know, I don't want them falling towards eighth, the eighth seed. And I know we won't be anywhere near the playing tournament, but they definitely do have to pick up the pace a little bit because this is not the time where you want to have a cold streak. And well, as of right
1: now. I believe they're only like a game out of the play-in, which you start getting the play-in, then you start seeing teams like Brooklyn, Toronto as your first opponent, which isn't the most ideal. The second game, if you lose that, should be a lot easier with Charlotte or Atlanta waiting. That is, that's definitely a lot easier. But yeah, you want to avoid the play-in if possible, obviously saves you the opportunity of going home and playing a four-game series, guaranteed. But switching gears, Castle, I'm going to save you the, uh, the disaster of talking Knicks. We're going to move on a little bit, some free agency talk. We've been doing this for the past couple shows now. We've talked about how loaded the AFC West is. It seems like every single day, there's a new move that gets made just to keep ramping up that division we've talked about Russell Wilson we've talked about um Khalil Mack Juju Smith just went to the Chiefs but I don't want to talk free agency we're get it we're about a month away now from the draft and we're going to keep talking about this and I'm sure our opinions are going to keep changing but as of where it stands right now I believe the giants are what the fifth and the seventh. Yeah. So what do you see as the best case scenario for the G man and TJ feel free to jump in as well.
0: Best case in terms of who we take at those picks.
1: Yeah. Whether it's you dread like best case scenario, drafting someone or trading down or what whatever.
0: See, I don't know because you talked about, trading down with the Falcons. Uh, they still have a top 10. Down. They have the eighth or the ninth pick. Yes. See, I'm not, a, am not totally opposed to that because the return for the fifth pick could be good. And we still get top two picks out of it. But here's where my issue is, is I am afraid to give up, the fifth pick, because this is such a big draft for us that I don't want to do anything to mess up the flow or what we've got going on. So ideally, I mean, I've seen a lot of mock drafts. It's very tough for me to say, I mean, in a perfect world, we'd be getting, I always mess up his name Neil is that his last Evan name? Evan Neal, yeah. Evan Neal, the guy from Alabama. I mean, in a perfect world, we'd be getting him at five, but I don't think he's going to drop that low. Same thing with uh, with Thibodeau or whatever his name is. Um, I don't think he's going to drop to five either. So, you know, I, I know this this draft class has got some pretty good uh, pretty good selection of linemen. I mean, I would be happy taking uh, the center from Iowa, especially with the reports that are coming out about um, Nick Gates. I don't know if TJ's seen them, but he has had a setback with the rod in his leg, um, and they're not really too sure what his progress is going to be. So – and I love Nick Gates, but – we can't afford to have an injury prone or a guy that is put in jeopardy on a line that needs to be fully rebuilt. So go with, go with him at five if he's available. And then in terms of seven, you know, on one hand I I want, you know, I love the, the, uh, the LPG mentality of the offensive nine men, you know, that's it's, it's very funny, but at the same time, I mean, He's emphasizing how big the issue, of the line is. So a lot of people don't agree with this. I say take another guy at seven. Although we have made some signings in the off-season to beef up the line, so I wouldn't be totally opposed to checking out what defensive options are available at seven. I'm not too too familiar with um, the potential. I know there's that D-back from LSU who's getting a lot of hype. I'm not sure what the deal with him is. You guys could probably elaborate on that a little Stingley? more. Stingley? Yeah.
1: He is very injury-prone, though.
0: Yeah. So, I don't know. I mean, you TJ could probably elaborate on this a little better than me, but – in terms of what I want at the end of the day, definitely take a lineman at five or take a lineman with the first pick. And then with the other pick in the first round, kind of see what our need is. I mean, we did just get rid of one of our safeties. So if there's a guy that Wink sees that we can get in, in that first round that that can fit his new scheme of defense, because he's going to be very man-heavy. Very man so if there's a guy that you know that can stack up against some of these great receivers or a good filling guy, then, then I say go for him. You know, I, I think continuing to improve the line and filling these holes on defense is what the Giants really need to emphasize with these with these first two picks.
2: No, yeah, and I, I agree with you wholeheartedly. Um, from what I've seen, they, uh, the Giants actually, they attended Kenny Pickett's pro day, which was interesting. They wanted to see the kid throw. But from what I've seen, at least in the mock drafts, are the Giants landing Evan Neal and, and Thibodeau. So I I would be okay with that. And if they trade the if they trade down a few picks, they could still they could still potentially land these two elite tackle and, and edge prospects. And if they do land them, that's great for the future of that defense, especially under a guy like Wink Martindale. Now, I haven't really seen much on the other defensive fronts that we need filled. I haven't seen really much on offensive line, but I think Shane's done a good amount of, of work so far at least signing some free agents to some cheap deals to help bolster that line at least for this season if they can't get that capital, but I think I think they'll be okay in the draft.
3: I can I? They, uh, do uh, have, they do
2: have nine picks in this year's draft too, so that also changes things a little bit.
0: The
2: offensive
3: nine-man, baby. Well, I'll give my little opinion because not having, with you guys having our first-round pick, uh, and then being surrounded by many Giants fans, including you two, uh, Castle, TJ, my brother. You know, I've done a lot of research for the Giants because, like, you know, they're they're like my family's team. So, like. I gotta do some research for them, and for me, what I think is, if they walk out with this, this is like they aced it, is Kayvon Thibodeau and one of the top tackles. If you can walk away with Kayvon Thibodeau, and then either Evan Neal, Charles Cross, um, you know, I I don't I don't try to think of any other uh, some of the other top tackles, but you know, I think you got to go Thibodeau first pick. Because I think Thibodeau, he is so good. He's really good. I think he has a lot of potential, and I think he just fits New York the best. Um, I think he's built for New York. He's a really, he's a really smart kid, especially business wise. Like he, like I feel like he has some plans and stuff, and he can really use a New York area and market to his advantage. Um, and it fills a need that the Giants have been lacking for. Probably since JPP and Justin Tuck and Osi uh, Yumanura, they haven't had a pass rusher like that before. You know, I know Leonard Williams had 12 and a half sacks last year, not this past year, but the year before that. But you guys need a legit guy off the edge that can do it. And Aziz has shown promise, but I think he still can't be the main guy. Um, and I think Cavon, is a perfect guy for that. So, and I, to be honest, I think you don't trade that fifth pick at all. Cause either you land whatever best tackles remaining, if Kavon's already picked, or you pick Kavon at that pick. Because last year, yeah, you walked away with Kadarius Tony, who's a great player. And I'm not complaining about the trade because it allowed the Bears to get Justin Fields. But by trade, you know, you didn't take Micah uh, Parsons, which would have been phenomenal for you guys. And there's a few guys where you could have picked, you know, a lineman or so like Vera Tucker, right. Cause he didn't go yet. I think.
1: Yeah. Jets traded up and got him at 15.
3: Yeah. So, you know, I think that would have been a great pick for the giants. So I think, you know, as much as, Oh, we could get this in return. Sometimes like, yeah, you want more in return, but if they don't work out, then what was the point of it? So you might as well get the top guys. And again, doesn't mean these top guys work out, but I think, uh, I think you, if you just stay put, um, and if you just if you move the seventh pick down to, say, like the eighth or wherever the Falcons pick and you can still land a top tackle and you gain a few more picks, yeah. But I think with that fifth pick, either you take one of the top tackles and Evan Neal, uh, Ike uh, Iken, Ikenwonyu, I'm totally mispronouncing his name. I apologize. Um, Charles Cross, one of those guys, I say you do that. And to be honest, I think that's what would the Giants would, you know, that's what would work out best for the Giants. I think you just got to get on. You need to get Kayvon, and I think the rest will work itself out. I agree.
1: Thibodeau needs to come to New York,
3: but I think at number four, he's going to be a Jet
1: because with all the moves that Joe Douglas has been making, there's been one obvious move that he hasn't addressed yet, and it's the pass rush, and the Jets are sitting pretty at four hoping that Thibodeau or Hutchinson falls right into our lap with possible with the possibility of the teams in front of us, the Texans, the Lions, someone needing to take a tackle to protect their young quarterbacks beforehand. So if, if he somehow falls to the Giants, then, yeah, it's a given for the Giants. But if Thibodeau's on the board for the Jets, I can't see us passing up on him. So sorry, Giant fans, to burst your little bubble there. But uh so Stevie, what pick what is the Bears first pick?
3: Uh the seventh pick in the second round, so pick 39.
1: Oh boy. Okay, we're not even
3: gonna talk. We're not even gonna talk that. What?
1: I I the Bears, they've made some moves,
3: but not many, right? That's fair to say. They mean they made more like depth moves. They, they didn't make any splash moves, but I've seen,
1: cause they've also, I've seen, they've cleared up a lot of space by getting rid of some guys,
3: right? Yes. We, we have around now 30 million, which is after a lot of teams spent a lot of money, which ranks like top five, but then next year we're going to have like around 140 in cap space, which is probably the most amount of money the bears have ever had in the time I've been a fan. So what
1: moves heading into the draft do you think need to be addressed ASAP?
3: I'll give you three spots and to them or to help Justin Fields. More line because the Bears' line has been atrocious ever since like 2018 season, um, and you need to keep Justin Fields healthy. He got hit a lot last year, and we can't afford him to get hurt. Um, and then even for David Montgomery's sake, he could be a- – great back and he has shown that he is a great back but he needs time you know he could break tackles and stuff but similar to the Giants case you know when right as he gets the ball and he's already has contact like no give him give him a few space and yards and so we signed Lucas Patrick from the um, Packers which I really like but you need to shore up the line and um you know one of the Bears targets supposedly was Teron Armstead he signed he just actually broke news that um He signed a five-year, $75 million deal with the Dolphins. I'm fine with not signing him to that deal at his age, especially with his injury history. Has not played a full season. So, yeah, when he plays, he's one of the best tackles in the league, Um, and that would have been an incredible addition to the Bears. But I don't want to afford an injury-prone guy at that price. Um, So, you know, definitely more linemen, and then especially receiver. We need more weapons on the outside for fields. We lost Allen Robinson to free agency. You know, it's tough, but didn't work out. Um, And plus, you know, Ryan Paul's our new GM, is preaching speed, speed, speed. Alan Robinson's not a speed guy. So that's why you saw the signing of Byron Pringle, which I like. But, again, you know, he's a good wide receiver three, but not a wide receiver one or two next to Mooney. So if we can get uh, George Pickens – um, I'm really high on Christian Watson out of North Dakota State. I think he's really good. You're
1: saying speed. I'm gonna throw a guy out there who I think will follow you at at seven in the second round. Yeah. Castle, get ready for this one. It's Penn State kid Jahan Dodson.
3: Listen, I would love that. I watched a lot of him watching Big Ten, and you know, he tore up there's there weren't too many receivers that tore up that was defense, and he was one of them. So um, and he did that to pretty much every team he played. Uh, so, yeah, I would love Jahan Dotson. Um, so I think definitely receiver in line, you need to. And then last but not least, you got to shore up the secondary a little bit. Jalen Johnson's like the only man in the secondary. You still have Eddie Jackson in safety, but Eddie Jackson needs help. Jalen Johnson needs help. So you got to shore up the secondary a little bit, or we're going to get beat up the top. All season long. And, you know, I don't think we're going to be in, in contention for anything next season, but I don't want to watch our defense constantly get burned deep, um, especially in the division with Rodgers. And, you know, Kirk may not be the greatest quarterback, but he's got weapons to go deep with in Justin Jefferson and Thielen. So I hope they, they uh, you know, get in definitely another corner. And it doesn't have to be a superstar corner because it won't be, but you need another solid guy and you can't have. Kindleville Vildor or Duke Shelley rolling in at that second corner spot next to Jalen Johnson. You need someone uh, who can actually handle that position pretty well.
1: And another question for you before we move on. I don't know if it was last show or if it was this past weekend, but Devontae Adams left Green Bay. He went to Vegas. Shocked pretty much everyone. He's reuniting with his college teammate, Derek Carr, which really makes... This division possibly wide open because Rodgers came back, and the expectation was it would be Rodgers and Adams. The band is back together, just like we're seeing in Tampa. But that's not the case in Green Bay. Rodgers is all alone. Yes, they have Aaron Jones and AJ Dillon, but receivers-wise, it's like a trivia question with trying to name some of their receive trying to name some of their receivers. Valdez, Scantley, um, Alan Lazard, okay, yeah, they're solid, but they're, they are not Devontae Adams. So now my question to you, Steve, you see Rodgers twice a year. He owns the Bears for however long he's, he's been the quarterback of the Green Bay Packers. Is it fair to say that this division is wide open or you still think it's the Packers for the taking?
3: It's tough. I think the NFC itself is more open. Um, I think the division still belongs to the Packers. I think the Vikings are starting to make a case. Um, You know, they just signed Zadarius Smith earlier, and I couldn't believe it. I didn't think that they were in contention. And then he met with them, and I guess it went well. And now they have Danielle Hunter and Zadarius Smith off the edge. They have still, they have Thielen and Jefferson. They have, you know, a pretty solid O-line. Dalvin Cook, um, you know, they still have some of the pieces on defense, even if they're getting older and maybe not as um, solid as they once were or dominant, but they're still good players. But I think somehow the Packers will still be able to win that division. Um, But I think it's going to be more of a challenge. You know, Rodgers doesn't have that safety blanket to go to in Devontae, where Devontae's just cooking up everyone, in the division, all the corners and stuff like now, as of now, I mean, technically Marquez valdez is not even re-signed, so they have to make sure they resign him. So as of now, Alan Lazard's like his only safety blanket, if that, or Randall Cobb. Randall Cobb's not what he was during his first tenure with the Packers. Um, and obviously the Packers are going to address their, their wide receiver, um, the position, free agency in the draft but I don't think it's a place that some of the free agents want to go to like Julio. I don't think he wants to go to green Bay. If anything, I think he'll just end up playing for Matt Ryan again um, and then join Indy. I don't think he wants to go to green Bay, Wisconsin. And from the things you've heard about Rogers and you know, if Devontae wants to get out of there, what makes it appealing to go play with Rogers in green Bay? Same with like Jarvis and, Odell. And even if they got Jarvis, you know, look at with Cleveland. He, he did, he did solid. He did okay, but they never won anything. They won that one playoff game. So, and he gets hurt a lot. So I think whoever they get in free agency really won't have an impact. And then even if they draft someone, they turn out to be really good. Like I think I said uh, last show, they're not going to be what Devontae was. And that safety blanket that Devante was, and not only was Devante a safety blanket, I mean, he was almost their whole offense. Or especially their passing offense. You know, you still have Aaron Jones and AJ Dillon, but now you might have to rely more on the running game. And you think, oh, well, you have Aaron Jones and AJ Dillon, but they lost some pieces on that line. Some guys are coming back off the injury report, off some key injuries. And, you know, I think the Packers think they're okay because they got Rodgers back, but they might be in a bit, they might be in a bit of a rude awakening. And obviously, I won't mind. As a Bears fan, but for the Packers themselves, like they better sharpen up real quick because just because you have Aaron Rodgers doesn't mean you have the answer.
1: Which is weird to say because I feel like we've been so accustomed, like the last decade or so, we're so accustomed to saying, "Well, if you have Aaron Rodgers, then that's all you need." Now is going to be a real big test for the Packers and Aaron Rodgers because he doesn't have that safety blanket, like you just kept, that you just mentioned, Steve. Before we wrap up the show, I'm gonna, I want to go around the ta- the around the horn. We've seen and we've talked about the AFC West making a lot of moves. And we've talked about it a little bit, but I want to get get give your opinions on who you think is the favorite to win the AFC West. Is it still the Kansas City Chiefs or is it a new team who is made a lot of moves at so, castle. I want you to go first.
0: It's very, it's, it's tough because with the exception of the Broncos and yeah, I'm, I'm, you know, sleeping on the Broncos, but with the exception of them, I feel like it's a pretty tough race between the three, but if I have to give it to any team, I'm going to give it to the chargers. I've, you know, getting Jackson, their secondary is nasty now. They paired Khalil Mack with Bosa on the line. And I really do like their offense. But more importantly, I think that they have a great leader in Justin Herbert. And I think it really killed him that he was this close to making to the playoffs last year. And I think they've kind of filled the missing pieces. And he he's he's just he's just that good. And I think with how I feel about the Broncos. Don't think they're going to go anywhere. It's Russ's first year. They're going to need to adjust to the offense and whatnot. The Chiefs were a little concerning last year. Some of those games that Mahomes played were quite questionable. No, this is not me sleeping on Patrick Mahomes. This is just me looking at what he did last season. And the Raiders, yeah, I could see them with Adams, but I don't. But I also don't know. They lost two pieces of their defensive line. They also lost a guy on their secondary, uh, Casey Hayward. I think he's with the Falcons now. So, the team that really seems the most stable to me and shows me the most promise and is the most hungry to me is the Chargers, and I'm very excited to see what Herbert's going to do this season and. I I only think he's going to have more of a progressive season and it's only up for, for him and the chargers from here.
1: It's funny. You say that. I really thought you would say the Raiders because I know you're big on Carr and
0: Adams. I I, I am. And you know, I love that Fresno state connection and I'm very hyped for them to come back, but I, I don't know. I mean, the defense is the defense is where I'm concerned. They don't have Nassib anymore. Um, but they brought back um, – They did bring back Max Crosby to a big deal, which was huge. Um, they, they did acquire someone in
1: the, on their def- on their secondary, though. They made a trade with the Colts. They brought in Rocky in. Right. That's a, that's, a, that's a solid corner.
0: It is. And they – listen, I'm sure that they will make their case. But when I look at every team, I just see the most balance – And the hungriest team being the chargers, not just because of Herbert and what his storyline is. You got to look at another storyline that a lot of people are probably going to sleep on is Khalil Mack. Even Stevie admitted his, his, his stock has dropped. We can all admit it. He's not the same guy that, that he used to be. He's in a new environment. He's, with a, young, with a young and hungry quarterback, a stable offense, a lot of talent on defense, he. this is going to be a revenge season for him too. So I feel like it's a combination of a balanced team with a lot of different storylines that could really push the Chargers into winning the division.
1: Uh, TJ or Stevie, what, I want to hear what you guys think.
3: You know, yeah, you go.
2: Oh, oh thank you. Well, if, if Castle wasn't going to choose him, I will. Uh, I'm going with the Raiders. Not only did they trade for Devontae Adams and sign him to a massive deal, they also brought in Chandler Jones. They brought in Anthony Everett, Bilal Nichols. They brought in some some key guys to fight for depth and fight for starting roles on that defense to to go along with the pieces they already had. and. I know you touched on it before, but I I love that Car and Devonte Adams are reunited. Like the the whole Fresno State connection is beautiful. We love to see college teammates reuniting in in the NFL, and I think
1: look at I how that worked that, out for the Bengals.
2: Exactly with Joe, with Joe, with Joe Shisey and Jay Chizzy, <laughs> but. Uh, I I just think they're going to be they're going to be that much better this year and Castle I just the thing is with the Chargers they just don't have that playoff experience with Justin Herbert yet so that's my argument against against you but it's really not much of an argument but
0: No it's it's fair it's definitely fair he doesn't have that playoff experience but He's got to get it sooner or later. And why not this season? So, but the Fresno state, it, it kills me to go against the Fresno state duo. So I'm, I'm glad you, uh, you brought that up.
1: I mean, if you're going by playoff experience, then I would say the obvious is Pat Mahomes then.
2: Well, yeah, that's obvious. I mean, he, but I just wanted to debate Castle's point just a little bit. That's fair. Cause right
1: now, neither one of you have said the chiefs and they're still in that division. They really haven't lost too many guys. They're going to have the same team for the most part. Why are you sleeping on on the Chiefs?
2: It's not that I'm sleeping on them. It's just I feel like the Chiefs are at the point where they're expected to be the number one team out of that division. So I'm thinking that, at least with Castle and I's picks, that there's going to be new competition this year.
1: That's fair. I like that. Little oh, baby Stevie B, what's
3: your pick? So, I think each team could get a vote in favor of, you know, who would be the top dog. Um, Broncos. You think last year they would played a lot better if they had a consistent quarterback. Now, not only do they have a consistent one, they have one of the best quarterbacks in the league right now. But I still think they may be a few pieces away. So, not going to give them that. I really I was debating on seeing the Raiders. Um, I think f- they were just waiting for that breakout player, um, that star. And I think Devontae Adams is that. And I think new coach now. This this team should be totally drama-free. And I think they're gonna finally have that breakout season that teams and fans and um have been kind of expecting and waiting for from the Raiders. And then the Chargers, I mean, you could definitely see the Chargers herbert's turned into one of the best young quarterbacks in this league the offense with keenan allen mike williams austin eckler so good you know they've kind of revamped the offensive line and then on defense forget about it with guys already like derwin james nick bosa uh not nick bosa joey bosa and then you had cleo mack jc jackson brandon saley's a great coach and you know it almost seems like the Chargers might be the favorite and The only thing is they might be not overhyped because they deserve all this hype, but can they withstand the hype? And that's what makes me choose the chiefs as much as I kind of hate to say it, but when, when you kind of count the chiefs out is when they prove you wrong. And a lot of people counted them out last season when they were below 500. And what do you know, they went on that stretch where they won a lot of games, not only make the playoffs, but make it to, the AFC Championship won a uh, game once again at home, really, which they were so close to winning, and that big lead at halftime, and then just did not perform well second half. I just, you know, you can't count out Patty Mahomes, Andy Reid, Tyree Kill, Travis Kelsey, and yeah, defensively, they do concern me a bit. But like I said, just, just when you count out the Chiefs, they prove you wrong, and That's why I think like we were kind of talking about with um, playoff experience and just experience in general, that team's been together for a while now they have that chemistry. They have that experience. They have the deep playoff experience. And that's why I think they will probably end up on top with, I'm not saying by a far margin at all. It might be by a game. And that's why each divisional game is going to be, I mean, these teams are going to kick each other's asses throughout, throughout the season and, it's going to be, uh, you know, you want that division, you're going to earn it, not, well, they're the best. I mean, it's going to be earned. Every
1: single AFC West matchup will be a battle,
3: and I hope those are the
1: Sunday night, Monday night games for all of us to watch because the talent on all, on all ends is unbelievable. I think it's only fair, though, that since each of you gave your own team, I'll chime in. And while I might not personally think this, it is hard to count out Russell Wilson. That's why I'm going to go with the Broncos. While they don't have the talent that the other teams have, they have the youth. They have the young legs. I see a mix of the Bengals. And then you instead of having a Joe Burrow at the helm, You have an experienced quarterback who has won the Super Bowl before and Russell Wilson. You look at a guy like um, Cortland Sutton and Jerry Judy, Tim Patrick, I believe they still have. They do have some young wide receivers that balled out last year with Teddy Bridgewater and Drew Locke. Just imagine what they'll do with Russell Wilson, one of the more accurate quarterbacks one of the best quarterbacks in the NFL. Oh, and by the way, they have a young stud running back who could potentially dip into the top 10 in terms of yards this year in Javante Williams with Melvin Gordon being a free agent. His workload is about to increase tremendously. Their defense needs some work, but I do like some of the guys that they do have. Obviously, they've got Bradley Chubb who is looking like the next coming of Von Miller. That was his guy when they were teammates in Denver, idolizing him, learning the pass rush methods from him. They've got um, Simmons as a safety, Jonathan Simmons, I believe. One of the better safeties in this league. They're a young team. They're a young, hungry team. They're similar to the Chargers in that aspect. Herbert lacks that playoff experience. Russell Wilson doesn't Brandon Staley, you said is a great coach, but I think it's still a little too soon to say he's a great coach. I think he's a good coach Had a very good regular season last year, but when it mattered most, they did show. And that falls onto coaching because it was bad coaching. This Broncos team, we're going to see a huge jump from last year. And they looked better after they got rid of Von Miller they had one of the better defenses after they traded von miller at the deadline they didn't lose many guys they haven't signed many guys but they haven't lost
3: let me say this for them so just remember the the broncos are uh first time head coach nathaniel hackett so not only do they have a new coach but they have a first time head coach and i think he'll do fine but You got to remember that too, that he's never had this position before. And not only is he going into, you know, a whole new conference, but he's going into the toughest division in football.
1: Yeah. But we've seen young coaches thrive in recent years. Well, not thrive, but do well. I don't count Zach Taylor's rookie year as his rookie year because he had burrow for half the season. Last year was his first full year under Joe Burrow. Look at how they did. They went to the Super Bowl. And I'm not saying that's what's going to happen with Nathaniel Hackett, but he's an offensive-minded coach. He gets one of the best quarterbacks of all time in Russell Wilson. He's got weapons on offense. It hurts that they had a trade. Noah Fant. I was huge on Noah Fant. They have Jake Budd, and they have another tight end who's got a ridiculously long last name who – was a stud in the red zone last last year for them I'm not even gonna try to pronounce it but I know it's like ridiculously long <laughs> um they also they they have picks this year actually no they don't they traded them in the
3: Russell yeah, hold tra- up there, they may have none
1: <laughs> they have they don't have picks whatever but they have cap space they do have cap space I do know that. <laughs> So hopefully they do make some more signings. And I'm sure they will because it seems like every day there's more st- there's more signings in the AFC West to outmuscle one another. And it's a shame, TJ, we didn't get to talk some hockey this week, but football season is still here. It seems like every day is football season. We'll make sure next week we'll talk hockey.
2: Yeah, we gotta talk some post deadline because that'll give at least the newly acquired pieces. A few games to play in their new home um, So I feel like next just week to, we Just to mention
1: that. a few of the, the moves Just so we can get in a little bit of hockey Mark andre Fleury Long-time uh, goaltender In Pittsburgh Vegas and now more recently in Chicago Was moved to Minnesota He's helping out the Wild Longtime captain of the Flyers Claude Giroux Is heading down to Florida, Florida right the Bruins made a bunch of moves that's e. Will uh,
2: elaborate? yeah they had they uh just quickly they bolstered their defense with Hampus Lindholm from yep. the, and then
1: extended, extended him the Ducks, I, and, and, and then extended yeah, him
2: they extended him for I believe six I think six or eight years one of the two but he's locked for the near future and they also traded for Josh Brown another young defenseman out of Ottawa so they wanted to bolster that decor and uh yeah, I think those are the biggest moves. I know your Rangers got – Rangers
1: made a few moves. We'll, Toronto uh,
2: back. We'll, we'll
1: talk more hockey next week because I'm curious to see how these guys uh, will do in their first few games as a Ranger. I don't know much about them yet, so that's why I'm going to wait and see how they do and adjust to their new lines. Castle, I feel like it's a lost cause with the Knicks, so you have the Giants to look forward to. And Yankee baseball is right around the corner. All of us finally get to watch our boys in pinstripes. Stevie gets to drink his, angry, his singly, singular Angry Orchard at Yankee Stadium, and it'll be a good time this summer.
0: We Stevie's can all finally rant about the same team. It's a beautiful thing.
1: Our rants will be in unison instead of uh, bantering with each other, against each other. So that'll wrap up another episode of the 3P Podcast. TJ, Thomas Jefferson, Hummel, Huge shout out to you being our uh, man of many hats, one of which being our social media guy, statistician, Boston guy. I don't even know what other hats there are. I know I'm leaving out like 10 of them, but that's okay. That's your job to remember them, not mine. Keep up the great work with the Instagram. Make sure you guys check out his content at 3P Podcast. He's posting daily, whether it's snippets of the podcast, uh, interesting facts that happen in sports, you name it. TJ's got you covered. And if you have requests for posts, DM us at 3P Podcast and TJ will hopefully listen to them. Uh, Kevin from Wild Chat Sports being a great partner with us. They've got great content coming out. Kevin's got some great podcasts, blogs that he's been releasing. So make sure you check that out at Wild Chat Sports. Our sponsors, Liberty Shirt Co., makes great shirts. We need Stevie B to get his shirt finally, hopefully soon our new sponsor, OP Sports betting, the, the NFT sports betting site that's launching in the late spring, early summer. what a unique opportunity we have to partner with them. the first crypto sports betting site that will be available. We're very excited. Stevie, you're jumping for joy with that, so we're all very excited to be partners with them. So thank you all for listening and have a good night, everyone.